the Our Story podcast, the College of Medicine Student Affairs' very own student-focused podcast. I'm your host, Katie Smith, Assistant Dean for Student Affairs. Today's episode is titled Behind the White Coat. We are super excited to welcome a very special guest to our show. Dr. Ian Dunn is wrapping up his second week as the new Executive Dean of the College of Medicine. For all our listeners, Uh, Dr. Dunn is a renowned neurosurgeon, a researcher, and has been with OU since 2018, serving as professor and chair for the Department of Neurosurgery, the Harry Wilkins MD Chair of Neurosurgery, and most recently served as Senior Associate Dean for Clinical Affairs for the College of Medicine. In addition to his academic and clinical duties, he also has numerous leadership roles with OU Health and OU Health Partners, our hospital partner on campus. Dr. Dunn's new role also includes a brand new position as Chief Academic Officer with OU Health. I could go on with all of his accolades, um, but I just want to give you a heartfelt welcome to the Our Story podcast. Dr. Dunn, we are excited to have you. Dr. Smith, thank you very much. That is possibly the nicest introduction I've ever had, Um, and I really appreciate the opportunity. I think even the title of this podcast is perfect, and I think it it exemplifies what I – of the many things we hope to accomplish uh, going forward is is how do we tell our story uh, here at the College of Medicine and all the phenomenal things that I've I've been able to witness even in the first two weeks of being here. So I really appreciate being invited to – be on the podcast and if i'm not invited back i know i know i wasn't well reviewed but uh this is my first podcast ever and I, i'm okay. really excited about it so thank you well uh we will we'll let you know how many uh listens you get <laughs> so um it helps if you advertise to your family and friends uh so on social media i'm going to do that shamelessly don't, yes. don't worry about that <laughs> Okay, we'll jump right in. So we're excited about you having a new role as Executive Dean, um, in particular your vision for our MD program. So we'll talk, start by talking about that and then dive into some additional questions so our students can learn more about you. Um, can you start by discussing any goals you have for the College of Medicine and what your hopes are for our student body in the coming years? Sure. Obviously, I could take two hours to do this, or I'm going to give a high-level summary. But I may want to just add a few experience details that I might share that have informed where I think we can be really successful. And that, you know, I did. I was born overseas and then moved around in a military family, and so spent some time in the Northeast part of the United States, and then spent an incredibly important year in at the University of Arkansas in 2010 and in my little area of neurosurgery if you're doing a fellowship you're really going to find that one surgeon uh, where he or she's located that one institution wherever he or she's located and you, and you go there and and the pinnacle of our field that time was, was actually the University of Arkansas now I grew up just north of Arkansas in Missouri but I'd never visited Arkansas and so but that year was the very best year of, of my, my time in medicine to, to that point and great I mean I saw surgery that I never thought was possible um, and I'd been in some really great institutions that I, that I thought were top of the pile. Um, and and it, it, was, it was just so eye-opening. I mean, the fir- I'll never forget the first week even. I mean, it was, it was just one learning experience after another. And, and not that I had this reflection at the moment, but um, two things really stayed with me. One is I enjoyed the learning and the work and so forth, but, but what, what really seeped in and us most in was I enjoyed the environment. And, and when I re- look back on, on what about the environment, I mean, Little Rock's great, but uh, there's a lot of great, great places to be. It, it's the service element. Um, 
and it's in the center of the state, and we were serving so many different kinds of patients. And the entire state looks to, to that institution to be the standard bearer for everything in, in medicine, in, in learning, in residency, in, in clinical practice, and, and in, the, in the study of the problems that we were trying to improve. And if, if, if that institution didn't do it, it, it may not happen. Uh, at, at all. And so that was really powerful. And it, it's not like the institutions I'd been in before didn't have that, but it was different because there were so many of those institutions in the cities in which I'd, I'd been before. Um, the second was there were some incredible clinical and academic programs at, at that institution that really surprised me. I knew neurosurgery was going to be good, and it was, it was just world class. It was incredible. But there were amazing uh, initiatives in myeloma actually really stood out at that time. And in the learning there was, you know, I, I, so much of my training had been on, on one in one part of the country that, that you really, that there are great programs and initiatives everywhere. And if you add that need-based component, that service-based component, that it, it adds an incredible different flavor to, to, to the work. So, um, and, I, and, and when, when I personally think about it and I go and evaluate programs, if a health system or a college of medicine or that fusion of the academic health system has one great clinical program, what that says is there's a great skeleton and you can layer muscle on top of that in different ways. And so that's really what I found here at, at OU. And it took me personally like one interview here um, and looking at the, the, the job of, of chair uh, to see the incredible, what's already here, the, the great assets, the, the great physical space, the fact that we're in the center of the state, there's not another big academic health system for three and a half hours. I mean, you can go on and on and on. Um, but that service component is alive and well here. And, and, and that's a long-winded way of, of beginning to answer the question of, of what we want to accomplish is, one, we really have to remember what our responsibilities are. And, and I feel like as I've gotten really close to the college in the last couple of weeks, everyone, everyone internally here feels that. And, you know, the entire state looks to the College of Medicine a, a, as that champion, that standard bearer for everything, for everything in medicine. And it's amazing what the brand of OU is around the state. And I've driven around everywhere, all these little towns, and I, and I love Oklahoma geography. When you say you're from OU, I mean, they just let people just light up. I mean, they, they just look at OU in a certain way. And that is a responsibility that, that, that I would remind all of us that we have um, at the, at the, at the OU, OU global level, at the Health Sciences Center level, uh, at the college level and obviously in partnership with, with our academic health system at, at, at OU Health. So in terms of what, what are some of the things we want to focus on, um, I, I've been really blown away by the focus on medical students and uh, PA students and, and uh, our learners at, at the College of Medicine. And uh, obviously, Dr. Smith, you're part of that team. Uh, the dedication from the staff and how the students receive that, it, it's really exceptional. And, and I, I would I would... I really can't imagine more attention and more focus being paid to students anywhere in the country. And so from an education, I mean, things are already going really well. And, and what's, what's the, the task when things are going well? Unfortunately, it's just to keep doing more of it and to keep innovating and reaching higher. And so I think that's the goal for the team. And I know that lots of great work has gone on with innovating the curriculum in that next phase, which is coming. And uh, I'd love to have a chance, and I'm sure uh, hopefully we can, we can get a chance to talk about that more in this forum, but um, you know, innovation is not always that costly, it doesn't always take uh, bottomless resources. So that's something where we can continue to really, really excel. And how do we know what success looks like? I mean, our students will tell us, right? They will tell mm -hmm. us if we're doing great because they've got their own networks of students around the country. 
they're applying for the same residency positions, the same internships, the same this and that, they will let us know, and, and their success will also inform us as to how we're doing uh, with those programs. But but I'm really excited about the plans that I've seen that you and your teams have, have drawn up around uh, innovations in education. And uh, actually today I just had my first lunch with a group of medical students. I've been really committed to trying to meet as many medical students as possible. I'm going to find them whether or not they want to meet with me or not. <laughs> And actually, one of them said, no, like, how much will we see you? And I'm like, you may not want to see me that much. But um, it was just great to get the feedback that they're feeling all the things that you're doing and your team are doing. So staying really innovative, staying at the leading edge. Um, there's no reason why uh, OU, I mean, it, it leads into the question of who are our peers. You know, in OU football, right, we're going to the SEC. Like, that's an easy, our peers are the SEC. A little different question when we're thinking about college and medicine. Who are our comparators in the college and medicine? Who, who, who do we look at and say, like, that's great. We want to emulate that. We can emulate that. We've got the resources and the talent and, and the, the runway to emulate that. So I think that's another question I, I'll, I'll sort of ask our teams, too, like both education and, and the next uh, issue I'll, I'll, I'll address uh, on the podcast. You know, who just, who's our peer group? And, and defining that really clearly and, and, and honestly just making sure we're always staying uh, one step ahead, ahead of the curve. Um, I think there are specific challenges with medical education right now that I think have been really well addressed at OU, but um, the, the notion of, of, of student debt, um, mm-hmm. the, the general sort of global issues with, with making sure people feel well when they're working really hard, uh, making sure everyone feels like they belong no matter where you're from or what you look like and what your beliefs are. I think that's really important. And making sure that our students have the exact same opportunities that everybody else in the country has. And, and that, that's something I'm, I'm really, really, really committed to. Um, and and I, I think another uh, early area of focus is if you look at just the, the uh, range of, of, of colleges of medicine nationally, one of the clear differentiators, and let's just take, let's just take state-based colleges of medicine right now. Forget the ones with the deep coffers <laughs> that were kind of born on third base and, and they're still there and they're always going to be there, and that's great. Um, but but I, I do feel a little bit of a, a uh, showing my hand here, I do feel we've got a lot of state-based comparator systems. And, and there are data out there, there are ranking systems out there. I think in addition to a real focus on education, which again is a huge core part of our mission, it's also a focus on, on studying how to do things better. So the, the call it research, call it scholarship, and research with, with a capital R. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, there are, like it or not, there are metrics of, of how we're doing in that regard. And uh, of course that requires resources and commitment. And really more important than that is really the culture, a culture of scholarship. Just like there's a phenomenal culture of, and I'll talk a lot about culture really in my time in this role, because it, it, it's everything, right? Uh, it, it's, uh, it, it's that almost that dark matter glue that holds us all together and binds us in these missions. But it's a culture of scholarship, culture of research. So uh, I, I, I like, and there's, there's really good research that's going on in the College of Medicine right now. Um, specifically in uh, our phenomenal basic science departments. And we've got um, certain clinical departments. Uh, Dr. Smith, your department is, is, is really an exemplar in, in that domain. But um, when we look at how, how are we judged in, in this mission? So first of all, should we be in this business? Mm-hmm. And I would argue that being a research intensive medical school is absolutely our, our obligation. It's our responsibility to advance uh, health healthcare for uh, specifically citizens of Oklahoma, but also to contribute knowledge uh, far beyond these, these borders. And so I, I, we are gonna, we're going to stay. We are now, but we, I want to continue to deepen uh, our investment in, as a research-intensive college of medicine. And so 
that's all nice. Um, what does it mean for all of us, right? So I, I think what that means at a really granular level is we've got a lot of great departments in the college. That, that's how our, our work is sort of subdivided, right? That's our structure. And so traditionally, a lot of that work in scholarship is embedded in basic science. But I think the future looks like a lot of that also being driven in clinical departments. That's not to overshadow. It's to continue to support and grow basic science, but also to to, to deepen the investment in scholarship in, in clinical departments. So uh, our investment in research is going to be a major focus uh, in, in the role. Um, and, and these things, uh, you know, I know that all our, all our uh, millions of listeners know this, but the, the delivering clinical care, teaching clinical care, studying how to, how to drive clinical care better, how to, how to uh, and, and the research mission, th- these, are all, these are all fused, right? And that, that's actually what makes this particular campus extra special. It would, it's what differentiates us from, from a community health system. Mm-hmm from let's say college medicine where it, it's just the degree you're getting at the end of it it's actually that all those things happen together and you know the clinical mission should be so advanced here that people want to come and learn how to do it mm-hmm. so that that leads into the education piece and this the problems of the patients that we treat should be so complex that that, that we're driven to study how to do it better so the, these missions all all uh, align together and um you know i think that the, the third i would uh, I, I think mission element that i would highlight is i think also ensuring that not only are students and learners of all kinds feel welcome, but but that recentering, uh, I think, the wellness of our faculty. Um, you know, there's been a lot of change over the past couple of years, and I've not really gotten used to any one model because I've only been here for five years. But like, I feel like every year there's some some sort of seismic mm-hmm. titanic change going on. So I've been able to you know not not really hold on to one particular construct because I, I you know it's, it's going to change. But uh, I, I think the change that happened a couple of years ago, we have a, a new sort of formed academic health system and. And I really want to make sure that the College of Medicine, um, I think, repositions ourselves as sort of the heartbeat of that system. Um, and and both, both really need each other to be extremely successful mm-hmm. to, to enhance the mission elements of each. So that's another, that's another big goal uh, that I have. Awesome. Well, first of all, if you bring lunch, students will show up. I think that's a, a tenet of all of us in medical school. But um that's all really exciting uh sounds like we're headed in the right direction um i know our students care about all of those issues having excellent access to education um research uh clinical care and you know in the end they want to be competitive when they leave this place for the top residencies the top jobs and of course that's our goal so when our students are thinking about who is our new executive dean, can you tell us about, you mentioned fellowship in Arkansas, but how did you decide on neurosurgery as a specialty? Um, how did you always see yourself as a leader or administrator? And then for our students who walk in these doors and have no idea what they're doing, what advice do you have for them on discovering what specialty is right? Sure. I, these are phenomenal questions. So my... Um my path in neurosurgery was actually it's very similar to the advice that I'll that I'll combine these these answers together. You know, I did a um, I think most students early on they gravitate to I, I want to be a, more of a procedural specialist or more of a non-procedural. I, I think there's a little bit of a a, a, a glacial divide early on. So I, I I thought I wanted to do something uh, procedural or, or surgical, but not but that was very vague. I had a neuroscience class, anatomy class. And I still remember it to this day. I remember we were shown where the third, this is really nerdy, so where the third nerve emerges from the brainstem between these two arteries. And I thought it was just magical. 
and it's a minor thing, but it, and it, that, that's not what set the, the path from the rest of my life, but uh, it, it triggered a real interest in neuroanatomy. And, and um, all neurosurgeons have to be fascinated and obsessed with neuroanatomy, and that, that really is how that started for me. So right, right after that, uh, I actually contacted uh, the Department of Neurosurgery that was attached to the medical school, began to shadow, pretty traditional sort of foray into a field at that point. And then began to, I worked in the lab, I wrote some papers, uh, began to meet some residents. Um, and that's advice I would give any medical student. You know, yes, we want to be, we want to reach into the students and provide those opportunities, but we can't be everywhere at all times and, and we can't come to your house and pick you up and drop you in a department. So just be, be proactive, you know, residents, students, and, and, and departments, they love that. And so I, I, I just happened to, to be really well received by this particular department. And uh, actually the tough part was doing sub-internships because you're not really, so if, if you love uh, basketball, right, and you're a 10-year-old basketball player, you're playing basketball, mm-hmm. right? You're taking free throws, you're taking three-pointers, and, 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 and similar to what a professional basketball player does, just they're doing a lot better. <laughs> yeah. But as a sub-I, you're not really doing what you think you will be doing as a real formed neurosurgeon. So then this, there's an existential question, like I, everything that I've done so far suggests that I really want to do this, but I'm actually not doing this on the sub-internship. <laughs> and so you're trying to imagine then, is this what I'm seeing, what I'm looking? Interestingly, I thought that, and this was a, kind of a little bit uh, a while ago, kind of pre-80 hours and so forth, but I, I thought the neurosurgical faculty were really happy. Mm-hmm. They were really happy, which I thought was also a surprise. I wasn't expecting that. Um, and so, um, Anyway, I ended up um, doing a residency in, in Boston, a fellowship, as we talked about. And um, in terms of how I decided, and, and I have a little uh, subspecialty in, in uh, tumors at the base of the skull, I did a case as a senior resident with a, 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 a female faculty member who I, I respect immensely, but she was very pregnant. Mm-hmm. And she said, look, I'm really going to need you to do a little bit more here. I, I'm just, I'm just, she was having, I could tell she's having a tough day. And again, we, we keep in touch. She's incredible. But honestly, this sing, single case where I just was, was able to do more, was captivated by the case, actually informed my decision of what fellowship to do. Mm-hmm. So I can point to the, those kind of singular moments in my, in my training. Um, I didn't have any specific interest in administration or leadership uh, at all. Um, I had five chairs where I was before. Um, and I don't know if the just the quick repetition of multiple different leadership styles somehow osmosed at some point and, and informed my interest in, in being a leader in neurosurgery, but it was probably six years into being a faculty member where I, I really wanted to, that, that solidified and, and, um, and began to, to form. And so I began to look into administrative roles a, after that. And, um, uh, and, and that, 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 that led me here to OU. And, uh, and really, it's, it's been a phenomenal uh, it's been a, it's a phenomenal department, uh, and, and what makes any great team is the people. So the students, the residents, the staff, uh, the faculty, the advanced practice providers, the investigators. Uh, it's it's a great it's a great team. If I were to give any student advice advice as to as to what how to choose what you want to go to, you know, when we're applying, when you think you want to go be a, be a physician, we know that there are that there's specific boxes you have to check. I got to take organic chemistry. I got to take physics. I got to mm-hmm. do this and that. You may not be that passionate about those things. You think, well, I can do it for a semester. And so there's a mentality, there's an intellectualization of the path that you have to, to go through to, to become a, a physician. Um, even though you may not be passionate about every one of those steps, you're passionate about the global. So you have to, I think you have to have a different mindset when you're choosing a specialty. You have to let your experiences and honestly your heart and your gut guide you. So even though you think you should be a cardiologist or you think you should be an obstetrician, 
that doesn't really matter anymore. It's really what you enjoy because you're making a big decision for that should inform the path for the rest of your life. So you've got to let these experiences and and, um, and what you're really enjoying, even if they're not what you thought they mm-hmm. would be. You thought you wanted to be a general surgeon, but you're really enjoying uh, your infectious disease rotation. You've got to listen to that. And, and, and that would be my advice to every student, which is listen to what you've really enjoyed. Reflect on the teams that you want to emulate and be part of, even if it's not what you what you initially came into uh, to medical school thinking about. Uh, and that, that personally served me very well. And I think people that I've known that, that really enjoy what they're doing, mm-hmm. I think have always been guided in that way. Awesome. We talked a little bit about all the things going on. Um, and our students today have access to more information than ever before. They have a large body of medical knowledge. You know, their phone has everything they could ever need. But they also have access to all sorts of information. What is, I mean, I didn't know what USMLE was when I came to medical school. Like, I signed up for something I knew zero things about. So, but now they have match data. They know what scores we get. You know, they know what their chances are of X, Y, and Z. So a lot of our students sometimes get stressed about the future and what is the future of medicine and do they fit into that? So do you have any advice to them um, when they sort of, are looking at those hurdles and worried about where their place will be? Um, that's a great question. I, honestly, I had the same, I, I got a lecture in, I'm dating myself, but it was a former, it was an economist in Reagan's Council of Economic Advisors. And he was preaching about the end of healthcare. Like you shouldn't be going, to, you, couldn't, you shouldn't go into healthcare, the, the whole field. This is like a long, long time ago. I feel like that's been there for a long time. And I, I think it's because the path is hard, but I, I, on a personal level, what I do each day in terms of touching learners, touching scholarship, touching patients, I, I can't imagine a more rewarding way to spend your life and your time. And um, I, I think the future of medicine is, is still incredible. But I do think uh, I do think students have to be essentially. There's got to be a little bit of an indoctrination about be willing to accept and embrace change mm-hmm. because it's coming. Right. Uh, 80 hours came, uh, no more USMLE step one came. And, you know, that's initially viewed as a real positive, but that comes with some co- complexity yeah. now, right? That we'll, we'll explore together and, and we'll explore here in the, in the college. So I think it, it's, um, and there's, of course, there's financial uh, burdens of, of the training and, and just the years of investment. But I, I just, most of, nearly all, and of course there's exceptions, but nearly all of my colleagues uh, reflect back on the decision to enter and do what they're doing now and would do it again and again and again. And I think... There are hurdles. There are economic pressures. There, there are time pressures. There, uh, and, and those those have evolved over time. But I still think it's an incredibly rewarding, enriching way to to uh, to, to commit to your life. And I think the way that society views uh, a medicine uh, will, will never change. Awesome. Do you have any parting? Well, I say parting words. You're not going anywhere, uh, <laughs> except for off of our podcast momentarily. But. Anything else um, in this initial um, just voice you have with us that you want to message to our students before the end of our time here together? I think to the student population uh, uh, writ large, I would say that uh, I, I want to just in my in my first two weeks just share with you how much you're valued, uh, how much the leadership of the College of Medicine and, and all the staff and teams care about your education. Uh, sometimes it's hard to feel that when you're in the stress of exams and, and learning uh, this immense body of knowledge. But this college exists uh, for your benefit and your well-being. And uh, I'd say on a personal, selfish level, I'd love to hear from you. So uh, email me, stop me at the health club, stop me in the hallway, and I'd love to connect with you personally. 
Awesome. Dr. Dunn, thank you so much for being with us today. We will definitely have you back on the pod um, to talk about more things related to the College of Medicine. Um, we are going to take off. Uh, we will see you next time on our story.